What's up, everyone? We're here for trade deadline day, locked on Bucks. Uh, there was also a game as well. The Bucks have just gone down to the Suns a couple of minutes ago here. Uh, not the best showing for Milwaukee, particularly on the defensive end in the NBA Finals matchup. We'll talk about that a little bit first. And of course, uh, we'll have to talk about Serge Ibaka coming to Milwaukee. We wondered if there was going to be a trade. We wondered if there was going to be a big man coming to Milwaukee, and Serge Ibaka is that guy. Also an injury to Pat Connaughton late in the game against Phoenix, so we're going to get to that. There's plenty to discuss. Let's get started. Backs him down. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. I'm your host, Kane Pippen. You can see and hear me on this show Monday to Friday and also find my work over at ESPN. And joining me, the founder of brewhoop.com and longtime voice of the podcast, Frank Madden. And uh, we do thank you always for making Locked On Bucks your first listen of every day. And there is going to be plenty of people interested to hear about the, the big trade that went down today. Also, the finals rematch with the Suns, Pat Connaughton's injury. Like we said, there's plenty to discuss uh, we appreciate you guys for jumping on with us. Uh, Frank, we sh- we'll get to the trade. Uh, we'll start with this game. We are recording this, as I said, just minutes after this one is finished. Milwaukee, 131 to 107. They go down to the Suns. They finished this road trip 3-1, and one, but this was the big game. This was always going to be the challenge. We knew the Suns were going to be motivated. Uh, you did tweet about it uh, during the fourth quarter there. We discussed in previous days, Frank, that the Bucs were winning. The offense was firing on all cylinders, but perhaps defensively, uh, they weren't at their best. And you come up against the Phoenix team that really has been a juggernaut for most of this regular season. And uh, they weren't slowing them down too much, let's say that. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's kind of funny to think back to the finals and game two, the Bucks came out. I think, was it was it game two they came out switching a bunch? I think it was, right? And that was, um, I think that was the Bucks' worst performance of the finals, I want to say. And we've seen the Bucks. It seems like the Bucks, like Bud just decided, you know, like 10 days ago that the Bucks were just going to switch everything for, I don't know, a few weeks or something just to kind of get back to that. And they hadn't gone to it very much. Um, for some time, we'd seen them um, doing a lot of blitzing and hard hedging. And, um, you know, it just seems like they've been trying to work on kind of the switching defense. But, I mean, the Suns just obliterated the Bucks switching tonight. And, you know, we, we hear, you know, the, the idea of the Bucks being too small has come up a lot. And I, I saw a lot of that in my mentions. And it's like, well... I mean, you could be starting Bill Russell, but if you're switching him on to the point guard every time, <laughs> then he's not going to be able to do anything uh, against, you know, Drew Holiday and Wes Matthews and all these guys getting switched on to Andre Ayton, you know, under the rim, right? Um, the Bucks have not really gotten killed. I mean, I, I can't remember a game in which a team was able to exploit the Bucks switching the way that Phoenix was tonight. Um, you know, Ayton just gave it to them repeatedly. JaVale McGee had some buckets. Bismack Biombo had some buckets. I mean, they just did an awesome job, you know, when the Bucks were uh, were getting into their switches. I mean, they were rolling really hard early, and then they were, uh, you know, taking advantage of the switches and it's getting deep post position. And, you know, kudos to the Suns. I mean, 
they just said, all right, if you're going to do that, like we're just going to punch you in the mouth. And, you know, 68 paint points for Phoenix. Um, I was about to again, ask because they didn't actually shoot the ball well. So I was thinking the numbers yeah. must have been astronomical. And that's, that's, yeah. Pretty, I mean, I mean, they shot 70% on two pointers today, right? <laughs> I mean, if you, if you told me that the Suns would shoot nine out of 30 on threes, I would say, oh, okay, you got a chance. Um, but, you know, with the Bucks just sort of saying, all right, we're just going to switch everything. Um, you know, it was, it was just curtains. And, um, you know, I, I think again, like you can say, well, should Bud have adjusted? They, 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 like Giannis was playing center field in the third quarter on a few, on a few possessions. You, you might guys, the, uh, the sunblock, which was not when, uh, DeAndre Ayton rolled to the rim and caught an alley-oop and dunked on Giannis. That was probably the, you know, the, another sign that this was just not going to go the Bucks way tonight. Um, that was not a, a switch. Obviously that was Giannis playing more conventional kind of drop defense and that didn't work either. But, you know, they, they were for the most part, seemed like they were just like, all right, you know what? Like we're, we're, we're going to be content to, you know, either let Chris Paul shoot and Devin Booker shoot mid-range jumpers against our bigs or, um, you know, try to beat uh, our small guys with post-ups in the, in the lane. And obviously in the finals, when the Bucks switched, it was usually those guard isolation plays where, where the Bucks really got hurt. But in this game, it was the big guys um, going to, going to eat down low. So um, you know, we'll talk about Serge Ibaka. I mean, again, tactically, Serge Ibaka, if he's switching, can't stop that either. Cause you know, again, you're choosing to put your big guy away from the basket, but, um, you know, we'll, we'll see, we'll, we can talk about that a little more, but yeah, I mean, I think again, just Phoenix is the best team in the league right now, you know, at least from a regular season standpoint and the fact that they can, they did what they did tonight without shooting the ball well at all. Um, you know, just sort of underscores obviously how well they've been playing and the Bucks. You know, Drew and Chris ended up putting up, you know, solid lines, 21 points. They both shot better than 50% from the field. But um, Giannis just, you know, after two months basically straight of of playing just <laughs> super consistently offensively, you know, he just did not have the the type of scoring that we expect. Didn't shoot well from the foul line, 5 for 14 from the field. I, I think he started two out of two from the field. So he must have, like, what, three for 12 to, to end? Like, it's a lot of missed shots. And, um, you know, Phoenix played a bunch of big guys tonight. Giannis was getting most of them into foul trouble, it felt like. But we saw Aiton, we saw JaVale McGee, we saw Bismack Biombo. We saw those guys playing two at a time at various points. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, um, you know, makes sense, right? I mean, the Bucks, basically, other than game five, never seemed to win in, in, in Phoenix over the last few decades. So um, I wasn't expecting a win tonight. Would have been nice for them to be a little more competitive. They started well, but um, once those three point, you know, once the kickouts for threes started drying up, um, things kind of quickly took a turn and, you know, again, trading, uh, missed threes for, you know, three foot layups is, is not a great way to, uh, to try to win a basketball game. No, it's not. And I agree. The first quarter, particularly Drew Holiday was pretty spectacular in the first six minutes of this game on both ends of the floor. Uh, but maybe it's kind of similar to what we've seen in previous games. I was thinking to myself, okay, well, Phoenix is scoring here. So if the Bucks do go through a, a rough patch, it might get pretty difficult. I thought early in the third quarter, they actually came out of halftime and both teams were kind of cold, but like Grayson Allen had a couple of wide open three-point yeah. attempts though. And when they weren't going, it felt like that was the missed opportunity. Uh, the Bucks really did need a surge to get Ibaka into this game to get, to get, uh, I don't know if I said that right, but uh, anyway, uh, you get what I'm trying to roll with there, but Serge wasn't there. So unfortunately they weren't getting Ibaka in this game, but uh, before we move to the trade, we'll do that after the first break. We'll talk about Ibaka, all that uh, Pat Connaughton. I know you've been 
uh, on their in street clothes, which is just a, a brilliant website. Let's let's be honest. I mean, it has all the information when it comes to injury. Fourth metacarpal, and as you correctly pointed out to me, and you called me Dr. Pittman in the uh, DM, <laughs> I was calling it a finger, and I was mixing up my metacarpals and my phalanges. Uh, but it, in simple terms, this is a broken hand for Pat, and obviously it's bad timing. We can get okay. into why it's bad timing uh, with the rotation and stuff moving forward, but uh, you don't want to see this. This is the last thing you need. Yeah, it's it's add injury to insult, right, is uh, yes. what, what we saw tonight. And I guess I believe the fourth metacarpal is your uh, ring, basically this bone here underneath your your ring finger, I believe is what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, again, uh, just doing cursory internet research, fourth metacarpal fractures, um, per the in-street closed database. And this was actually the Jeff Stotts who runs this great website and, you know, is like just catalogs every injury and how long guys come back from it in the NBA. Um, this was actually from 2015. So this is going back quite a ways, but, um, at that point of when he wrote it, I mean, there's like, I don't know, 20, <laughs> excuse me, like 20 guys on there that in the sample. So it's a pretty big sample size. Mm-hmm. And probably more more than not uh didn't have surgery but a a decent number also had surgery it seems like it's sort of at like that you know in between point where sometimes guys get surgery sometimes don't we'll see what what pat gets whether he gets it or not um and the average was 17 games missed so again that's probably i don't know six weeks something like that you know something on that range i think another article i wrote said you know these metacarpal injuries three to six weeks three weeks at the absolute best six weeks um, I think Aaron Baines, one example was like four weeks with surgery or something like that. So again, you know, good news and bad news. Good news is we're just at the start of February. Mm. So hopefully most optimistically mid-March, less optimistically start of April, you know, sometime before the playoffs start, obviously is the most important thing, but I mean, you just traded away one of your wings, right? One of the whole <laughs> reasons why I think I was like more like, eh, maybe just hold on to Dante was, you know, you're one injury away from, you know, having your your wing death challenged. And, you know, sure enough, whatever, eight hours after you trade Dante DiVincenzo, um, you know, your your most important bench wing ends up breaking his hand. And, you know, again, um, it's it's a big loss, even if he's only out for, for a month. So shout out to Pat Connaughton. Just sort of hope that, um, his prognosis is good and he comes back and again, he shot the ball so well this year. He was shooting the ball really poorly tonight. And I think he hit a three. I, I assume it was right before he injured the hand, uh, which I think was with like, he got locked up with Chris Paul defensively, I think. But, um, again, just, you know, this stuff kind of happens to be honest. I'm amazed. This doesn't happen more often. I was like, about to say that. Especially yeah. you look at like, like some of Giannis, like his fingers, his fingers yeah. are so long. I'm just like, how does like it not just like, how do none of those bones never break, right? And obviously, it's because they're enormously powerful, strong, professional athletes. But um, I don't know. It's just uh, it's just fortunate that this stuff maybe just doesn't happen more often. But um, but yeah, just fingers crossed that that Pat um, comes back on the you know the better side of of the estimates and that he doesn't lose his shooting touch while he's out. Which you know, again, right? It's his right hand. It's his shoot dominant hand. That's that's obviously just really not what what you would have wanted right now, given the way he's been playing and given how important he's been. Uh, no doubt. Let's get into this trade after I talk about betonline.net. Uh, and this remains the best spot for all your sports scores, podcasts, and news this season. They have all the props, all the odds, all the lines, and more than ever before, particularly in the lead-up to the Super Bowl here, a couple of days 
away if you're interested in that. And it's not just football. Bet Online has up-to-the-minute info on pro and college hoops, NHL, boxing, UFC, along with live real-time updates of the current game. So don't wait to take advantage of all the new amazing offers available for the 2022 season. That's Bet Online, where the game starts. It's Super Week brought to you by Get Upside. And there's no better place to get coverage of the big game than the Locked On NFL podcast, Locked On Bengals and Locked On Rams. They're both in LA and they have been all week covering the big game right through to Sunday. So make sure you check out those podcasts uh, if you're interested. But trade deadline, uh, you know, Frank, I used to be crazy about this and I used to stay up all night and check the notifications and go crazy uh, this morning, not the case. So trade deadline is at 7 a.m. here in Australia on Friday morning. I had to get up at uh, 6.30 for work anyway. But I woke up at about 3 o'clock in the morning, checked out DM to see what you maniacs were talking about. And uh, I realized you were talking about Dante DiVincenzo, and he was traded. And yesterday on the show with Justin, I think by the end of the show, I said, look, I don't know. I suspect Dante is probably going to get moved for someone. I don't know what it will be. We discussed a lot of players potentially. Serge Ibaka wasn't one of those. I remember a few weeks ago, Frank, in, again, in our chat, just randomly I was like, what's Serge Ibaka up to? Is he even playing? And it's kind of one of those weird things because he's been out for too long and I guess the Bucks have gone by the old adage, if you have one seven-footer with a wrecked back, you may as well trade for another seven-footer with a wrecked back and they've uh, brought Serge Ibaka into the, into the fold. Uh, no, I'm, I'm only kidding, obviously. But Serge Ibaka has played uh, 35 games this year for the Clippers, but just the details on the trade from a Bucks point of view anyway, Dante DiVincenzo goes to the Kings. I was considering just rolling out the podcast I did with Lockdown Kings about 18 months ago where we talked about his fit with Sacramento. But Dante gets to the Kings uh, as well as Rodney Hood and Shemi Ojale go to the Clippers. The Bucks picked up a couple of second-round draft picks. You've probably got the details on those, Frank, uh, and some cash as well. as. Uh, but Serge Ibaka here is the big-ticket item, so we should start there, I guess. Muted there, but uh, I'm sure you're about to make a very, very good point there, Frank. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, you know, he he's actually had a couple of of better games of late. He had a twenty point game last yeah. week. Um, I think he had a fourteen point game last week as well. So, uh, you know, he he started ten games out. I think thirty five for the Clippers this year. Um, but I mean, he's basically the third center on that team with Isaiah Hartenstein really kind of breaking out as as kind of the backup behind uh, behind Zubat. So. Um, so yeah, I mean like, you know, and, and when you think about it, I think, I think the Clippers are saving like $30 million in tax money by, by shipping his salary out, which, you know, again, is a almost $10 million salary given a trade kicker. It'll be a little over 10, um, for the bucks. Uh, I mean, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Like, I, I, I mean, can Serge Ibaka play center at the highest level during the playoffs? I don't know. Um, yeah. we know he has in the past. We know he's been a guy that has won an NBA championship, a guy that has, you know, been a key piece of, you know, and a battle tested piece of, of really good playoff teams. Um, you know, he, in, in certainly when he was a little bit younger, his, the fact that he had, you know, pretty good mobility for a rim protector, obviously was part one of his selling points. Um, and the fact that, you know, he's got a pretty good three point shot um, gives him an important dimension offensively, you know, just being able to keep teams honest. And, you know, that's obviously always been an important thing for the bucks that they look in um, look for from, from their big guys. So, you know, I think on paper he fits 
very nicely as, you know, a, a certainly at least a regular season fill in for book Lopez. Um, but again, like what is he going to be in the playoffs? Is he going to be a guy that, you know, you want to play in crunch time in the playoffs, especially with Brooke Lopez's status uncertain. I don't know. Um, and I think that was a part that, you know, we talked about it. I think you and Justin talked about it. I didn't, I, I, I kind of was struggling with like, like would they really use Dante as their main trade piece to acquire a center? Right. Given that you, they, you know, they still seem to think that they're getting Brooke Lopez back in the regular season, then he'll be back for the playoffs. And so, you know, again, they have not played two traditional centers um, in the playoffs really since Robin Lopez against the magic in the bubble, I guess, technically, right? Like Rolo didn't play at all in the Miami series. They, you know, basically went away from, from playing kind of both Lopez brothers. And obviously last year they didn't have two traditional centers, right? You had Giannis and Bobby and Brooke and then PJ as, as sort of like this, you know, hybrid big slash wing defender slash defend whoever. So, um, so I was, on the one hand, I was a little surprised because like, wow, they're really cashing in there. Not only are they cashing in Dante for a center, which is very valuable from the regular season perspective, but, you know, what is that guy going to mean in the playoffs? But then the fact that, I mean, they're adding a ton of cost to their books by doing this deal. I mean, when you t- weigh in the the multiple multiplying factor of the luxury tax and where they are, um, I think including the, the, the increased salary that they're going to be paying, I mean, it's something like $11 million dollars in increased costs that the Bucks are taking on by making this move. Um, and part of that too is, you know, just opening up roster spots. You know, you're gonna have to fill the roster spots and, and spend some more money that way, which there's some positive in that from a roster standpoint. But um, I mean, they they clearly think Serge Ibaka can help them because they're spending a lot of money to, to add him, to bring him into the fold. And, you know, we heard the quotes from uh, the, after practice today or after shoot around today, um, everybody just seems, very excited about it. Um, and, you know, we'll see here uh, when they come back from the road trip, you know, we'll, we'll get our chance to, to see him. We, he played against the Bucks the other night um, and looked perfectly fine, right? So, I mean, it seems like he's healthy coming back from the, the back injury. Um, but, you know, again, I, you know, I, there, I think there's still question marks here about just how good he's going to be. Um, and, and part of that's, you know, just sort of a question of him, but also just tactically, about the Bucks and their rotations and, you know, Brooke and, and all that. So I don't know. And and as far as like, what does it say about Brooke and concerns yeah, about his, I, I don't know. Right. I mean, it, it doesn't, sorry, I don't, I wouldn't say that it makes me more optimistic about Brooke Lopez coming back, but I don't really think it makes me less optimistic either. Cause I think given surges, I think given surges mobility, um, I think he's probably less likely to be a guy that just is like going to be benched for an entire playoff series or something like that because of like matchups and things like that. But you know, you never know. So I, so yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I, last year I was, I was very optimistic about PJ Tucker and that acquisition um, because I thought it just, he just fit really well, but he also had played really poorly <laughs> during the season. So it's a little <laughs> bit interesting because last year with the PJ move, I was very optimistic on the fit. I was, somewhat concerned just about like the, is he washed? Like, can he still play question mark? Just given what had happened in Houston with surge. Um, there's a little bit of that concern around just, you know, his physical health and his aging and things like that. Um, but I think probably then the other piece that we have this year is just like, you know, exactly how is this fit and you know, how crucial of a piece is he's going to be? I, I don't, I just don't see him being like, you know, the, the kind of Neil mover that, 
that uh, that PJ was last year in the playoffs. But that said, you know, certainly he can be very useful. Um, you know, certainly over this next stretch of regular season, however long, you know, we're we're still gonna be waiting for Brooke. So if we go back a couple of years ago, I mean, this is a continued trend of the Bucks picking up fours or fives around this time of year. Pagasol didn't quite work out. Marvin Williams, I think a victim of circumstance. Uh, you know, difficult to really get a read on that situation. They, but, didn't, they uh, never switched Marvin Williams. Marvin Williams uh, playing drop playing still. Drop. Just, I feel bad for Marvin. feel bad. They didn't, they didn't use him much. He was fine. Uh, he was perfectly fine. Yeah, I, I don't want to give that one a, a negative grade because, I, again, I don't hold it all against him. Uh, PJ Tucker, uh, again, we Worked like I said, okay. yeah, I think that one worked out okay. I think that one gets a tick, but it's the same conversation. How washed is Marvin Williams? How washed is PJ Tucker? How washed is Serge Barker? They're different players. Uh, we'll continue discussing this after I talk about Shopify. Uh, Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big businesses. So st- upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online, in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey full of endless possibilities, just like the endless possibilities the Bucks now have with Serge Barker. And uh, believe me, uh, this podcast uh, started out selling uh, down on the lower end of the scale, uh, but now we are just absolutely on fire here and, and on Locked On Bucks. And uh, remember, success is a million milestones on a forever evolving path. Like mine, Shopify powers millions of businesses from first sale to full scale, reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and more. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA. That's all lowercase for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnNBA right now. That's shopify.com slash locked on MBA. I'm telling you, after that ad read, I need a built bar. I'm out of energy, which is good because built bar also is a longtime sponsor of this podcast. And if you haven't tried the puffs yet, then you were simply missing out, in my opinion, one of the best uh, tasting bars that built bar have. Puffs are the first ever protein infused marshmallow. They're fluffy, they're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar, they are a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Uh, of course, we know built bars are low calorie, high protein. Just replace your normal candy bar with Built Bar. You'll be better for it. Uh, they are good for you. There's no doubt about it. Heaps of flavors. Go check it out at Built.com. Use the promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. So just on Serge Barker, and you basically hit on it, but I... When we were discussing this yesterday, my big problem with the Bucks getting or trading Dante DiVincenzo, and we just used the example of Mo Bamba because there's always a buzz player that you know Bucks Twitter or whoever it is falls in love with, and then all of a sudden one person starts it, and next thing the whole of Bucks Twitter thinks that Mo Bamba is the answer to all the questions. And my thing was, well, for the Bucks this year, if you're trading Dante DiVincenzo, you want to be trading him for a guy that you think can help you this year win the title. And I understand that you have to keep an eye to the future. But when I had people responding to me saying, well, Mo Bamba can be the center of the future, I was like, well, I don't really care about that right now because Dante DiVincenzo is in the rotation. I think he can help this team this year. So Serge Ibaka spoke about Bobby Portis, and we should give Bobby Portis some credit. He got switched on to Chris Paul tonight. He stayed in front of him. He blocked that mid-range jump shot. Uh, <laughs> so let's give Bobby some credit. But I think that Serge Ibaka is a guy that they view as a genuine rim protector, a guy that can play... Is sort of stay at home a little bit more and actually intimidate 
uh, let's just say the Bucks haven't had the most intimidating defense around the rim outside of Giannis, who's been playing in different positions. So I think that that's probably how they view it. And as you said, I think that they think that he is a guy that's going to help them right away and help them this year. In a best-case scenario, Brooke Lopez comes back, and then you just have the option of Serge Ibaka. But I'm sure if they were going to trade for a big man, they are also probably planning for worst-case scenario. And the Bucks may be looking at a, a situation where Serge Ibaka is the guy that they're going to have to lean on um, to play that defensive role. And all these splits are fine offensively. He's been low volume, but 68% at the rim, 39% from three. Uh, so as you said, he does space the floor a little bit. As far as Dante goes, well, actually, the interesting part about this trade is the the roster spots as well, because they were also able to move on Rodney Hood and Shemi Ojale. Let's be honest, they they tried. It didn't work out for both of those guys. We said at the start of the year they were going to be X factors. If they give you something, that's cool. If they don't, you're probably not going to be shocked. They didn't. Uh, but I do think that this means that the Bucks are probably adding a guy. And when you move on Dante DiVincenzo, it's probably a guard. And I think that there's probably a need for some George Hill insurance at this point as well. So when you look at it from the uh, situation of Dante and moving him on, and then just the the whole roster, how do you view it uh, as it currently stands? Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I think obviously the fact that you dump the two guys that have been, you know, probably the most underwhelming, you know, um, at the end of the roster, you know, is, is, is kind of a bonus and helps you clear a couple of spots. I mean, now that you have three, three open roster spots is, is pretty interesting, especially because, you know, um, Greg Monroe probably does not survive to another 10 day, given that you just added Serge Ibaka, by the way, I think we got yep. Greg Monroe's first and one, um, this should have, this should have headlined in this podcast. I think he had his first and one since returning to the Bucks um, in like the last 20 seconds of tonight's game. You, I don't know if you, you caught that, Kane. I, think I wasn't watching set, at that point. You are setting up. <laughs> I was not so, watching. <laughs> so, you know, one last and one for the road. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I think the, the obvious interesting question is what, what happens next? Um, I mean, when the trade happened, you know, I, the first thing I was thinking was what we were just discussing. of like, well, I don't think they're going to kind of cash in all their chips for a center because that center may not play if Brooke comes back, mm-hmm. but landing these two second round picks is basically sort of like kind of splitting the atom on this a little bit because, um, you know, you're, you got back a couple of, you know, future assets again. Uh, I think the second one is, um, I believe it's Sacramento's, uh, I think it was 2024, uh, second round pick. Um, the first one is, is less favorable. I think 2023. Um, so, you know, one like kind of late second round and one, you know, potential, potential better uh, second round. You pick. don't have faith in the Kings. <laughs> what is wrong with you? <laughs> um, so I, I, my first thought was, okay, they're probably not done. You know, what else might they do? Do they, right. you know, package Jordan Wara and a second round pick for some cheap guy that's maybe useful or, or two second round picks, wherever it might be. Right. I mean, we're however many months removed from the bucks taking two second round picks and Sam Merrill and turning that into Grayson Allen, right? So, um, yeah. and granted, we had a, a trade exception involved in that in that trade, which which you know allowed them to acquire a more expensive player than they could have done today. But um, but you know, I, I was kind of curious, like, oh, they must be trying to make an, another move here to potentially add a wing or a point guard. Um, obviously, it doesn't happen. So you know, you, you still have these these two picks kind of burning a hole in your pocket for the summer. So again, you know, that, that was an opportunity that, that you weren't able to take advantage of in terms of improving the team now. So, yeah, I mean, I think again, you kind of break it up, you know, it's, 
you get a player that hopefully still has a fair bit left in the tank and helps you in the regular season and then gives you something in the playoffs and Serge Ibaka addressing your big man issues. You've got these two second round picks, which now become just future assets. We'll see what they use them for um, potentially as soon as this summer. And then the other pieces, as you said, you open up a couple more roster spots so that you can go out and, and be you know active on the buyout market. Um, so I think it'll be interesting to, to see what they do. I mean, tonight, Dante DiVincenzo has gone. George Hill is out with this neck injury, which, you know, sounded like from Bud's comments, he may just miss basically the rest of this homestand going into the all-star break. And they may just give him that full run to get healthy. So, I mean, Lindell Wigginton's playing minutes tonight, like first <laughs> half minutes. Okay. That's the state of your guard depth right now is your two-way guy. I mean, we got used to this early in the season when Justin Robinson had to play a ton. Well, we're back at that point because Dante DiVincenzo is traded and George Hill is out and suddenly, oh yeah, you really don't have much guard depth in terms of ball handling. Um, and I, I mean, Wigginton, I guess, was okay, right? I mean, he hit a couple shots, so kudos to him. Um, you know, when it was his first real chance at playing, you know, meaningful minutes in the NBA. Um, but, you know, clearly they need, they need another ball handler um and obviously you know we've been talking all year about you know do they have a a big wing or or really any wing you know especially with Connaughton now out um anybody that can be you know even a, just a uh, you know a, a two three shooter type guy to kind of plug in and the challenge is buyout guys usually aren't that good, <laughs> that good right so um you know we'll we'll talk a lot more about this sort of in the in the coming weeks here guys have to be waived at unless they, I think it's still the same dates as previously, generally by the end of March, in order to be playoff eligible if they sign with another team. So um, so we'll see who's in that group. Um, you know, it sounds like Goran Dragic is going to be in that group. Dennis Schroeder, it sounds like, is going to be in that group. Um, you know, DeAndre Bembry was released today, if you're thinking about wings by the, the Nets. Again, um, you're not finding Pat Connaughton, uh, a Pat Connaughton clone in, in that group, unfortunately. Um, but again, some some pretty good players are going to hit free agency as buyout guys. And then the question is just, you know, can you convince them to come to Milwaukee? And again, I mean, if you land, you know, if you landed a Goran Dragic, um, I'd say you feel way better about your backcourt depth. Um, and you probably feel like, hey, I don't, you know, um, for whatever his limitations in his age, you know, that's, that's a pretty good backfill for, for Dante DiVincenzo, um, all things considered. So, so we'll see. I mean, you know, I think the, the bio guys are going to be interesting to watch, but, um, you know, you're, again, you're not getting your PJ Tucker replacement, uh, in, in the buyout market, as far as at least I, I would expect, um, maybe you can get, you know, one guy, maybe, you know, maybe you get a guard that, that can give you something, add some depth but um but for the most part i mean again i think this is you know more or less the team that is going to have to you know be the group that that carries you to um this title offense and um again tonight's game just a reminder of how kind of fragile you know these rotations and and health can can be right and you just hope that that comes back in a month or something and that you don't lose any of your other guys for for an extended period and that you obviously get brooke back yeah, well, there's two things typically that can attract these buyout guys, and uh, this is the area the Bucks have been able to move themselves into over the last few Bill seasons. Bars. 
they are you, you have a local podcast that's sponsored by Bill Bar. That's obviously a factor. Uh, but uh, factor number two is you have to be a winning team. Obviously, the Bucks fit that bill. And secondly, a lot of the times, the competitive advantage is having a role that you think guys can play. And if you're a point guard, if you are a Dragic or you are a Schroeder, you could probably look at the Bucks and say, okay, well, I can see that there's an opportunity for me to play. So I, I expect that they'll be at least in the running for some of those guys. Uh, we know Bud has that connection with Schroeder. We'll see. We'll see what happens there. But obviously, those two guys, uh, as you mentioned, are the ones that are at the... Well, they're, they're probably the most prominent names right now anyway that the, you might look at uh, the Bucks needing uh, or having their fit for. So don't forget to check out the Lockdown Bets podcast with your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Like I said, obviously, Super Bowl coming up on Sunday. Uh, you might want to check out the podcast. Maybe they've got some tips. I don't know. Listen to it. After you listen to Lockdown Bucks, see what they've got to say. Uh, Frank, uh, second time this week I've had you on past midnight. You are. You, I, I, I know sometimes I joke about it, but uh, there is no one more committed than Frank, Frank Madden. Well, bef- before we go, and we should shout out, um, I think it kind of got buried in, in trade deadline and uh, the, the game tonight, but um, our friend Eric Name had the first real interview with, with Brooke Lopez. I, I think Shams had like a really brief thing that told us nothing, but um, Eric had a really pretty detailed long Q&A with, with Brooke Lopez um, that he published didn't know the it, athletic. and I haven't seen it, so I'll go check it. Exactly. out. Exactly. I, I didn't. I didn't even. I didn't even see it. Someone else mentioned that Eric put it. Uh, Eric, did, yeah. I didn't see it in Eric's Twitter feed. We didn't talk about it with him. Um, so, so yeah, it's uh, it's definitely a good read. I mean, he talks about, actually talks a bit about the surgery that was done. Um, mm-hmm. That it was for a, a bulging disc, and apparently they, you know, he described it as them shaving off a, a little bit of the disc and then you know uh, healing. Um, so, uh, you know, again, I'm just scrolling through. I, I don't think there's any, you know, let's just say earth-shattering news in here. Um, there's a lot of kind of what, uh, what, you know, what Brooke has done um, sort of in his spare time. There's a lot of Kirby enthusiasm. I, I appreciate it. I mean, I did, my, I did my whole Kirby enthusiasm gif summaries of the Bucks preseason. So I, I, uh, I enjoy the curb. So, again, if you're looking for uh, Brooke's return date, unfortunately, you know, that, that's not in there. But, um, but again, I mean, I think, the mere fact that Brooke is doing an, an interview um, that's being published, uh, you know, it's not bad. They're not, they're at least not trying to completely hide him here. And, um, you know, again, it seems like he's in a good place. Again, we probably would have said that, you know, in mid-November. Okay, too, bud. Before... Okay, bud. Yeah. Okay, this is Brooke's he's in a good place. place. <laughs> you know, he's progressing. Yeah, I just feel, just feel Brooke, you know, for the person he is. Yeah, whatever. I've never done a bud impression before, but... By the way, you brought up Curb Your Enthusiasm. I don't know if you saw my tweet tonight, but Budenholzer's challenge on a Wigington foul, the way that he looked at the official, I described that as a spite challenge. That was a spite challenge from Bud. He just wanted to prove a point to the officials. He didn't care that the fact that it was a foul on Lindell Wigington, which in the grand scheme of things, no offense to Lindell, congratulations for getting rotation minutes in an NBA Finals rematch, but that's not a foul you really need to challenge although it's uh, turned out to be an inadvertent whistle and they got a jump ball at center court but that was a spite challenge from bud some of the looks he gives these officials uh, utter disgust utter disgust the way he looks at these officials so shout out to bud we look, um yeah. and and why don't i just why don't i just I'll, I'll just give like the the i mean probably the most interesting part um is is his description so here's brooks description of the actual surgery he said there was a bit of a bulging disc in my lower back so they went they just went in there and kind of shaved that piece off 
Well, how casually that is. So then it was just about that disc healing, getting strong. And then from there doing the right exercises, workouts and stuff to where I'd have a good core, literally going forward and being prepared to play basketball. Um, so again, and I, I actually didn't notice, but Eric references that it'd been in 15 years ago, he had surgery on a bulging disc before his freshman year at Stan at Stanford. And he said, yeah, I had it and it went well the first time around. So I wasn't super nervous. I had a great doctor in LA. Dr. Watkins is incredible. The best at this in the world. So he had a great program. He's had a great program for the situation. He uses it with everyone, professional athletes, movie actors, stuntmen, all sorts of stuff. So we know this stuff works. So we had a plan in place and we followed it. So it's been great. Um, and I don't think I see ref. I don't know if Eric mentioned, I, I mean, I think I've heard a reference that, that it's a, I believe a micro dissectomy. I believe that's what's, that's what it's called. Um, so unless I completely mispronounced that, um, I thought in my head that that's what it was, but, uh, uh, feel free to Google that and tell me if I was wrong. But uh, but you know, again, micro you, micro is a little bit too much. Dice, disectomy. <laughs> disectomy. Okay, I got it. Okay. I'm I'm googling. Is it very common, if not the most common, surgery performed by spine surgeons? Okay, removing a portion of the intervertebral disc. Yep, that sounds like what you described. Okay, micro disectomy. There you go. Okay. All right. Well, that's good. I'm gonna go and check out that story. Make sure you do that. Uh, obviously, always supports uh, Eric Name. That's uh, the one thing you should be doing if you're a Bucks fan. Uh, let's wrap it up. We've re- reached the weekend. It's been a big week. All-Star weekend coming up as well. But uh, plenty to get to still. How many games they got, Frank? They got a couple of games before the All-Star break? A couple at home, I believe. So we'll get to that. Yeah, I mean, I think I think they've got, a, um, they've got the Pacers. Uh, sorry, the Blazers on Monday. So they've got a few days off here. They've got... Blazers on Monday, the Pacers on Tuesday. Both of these are home games, so a rare back-to-back at home um, against two teams that are obviously obviously kind of, you know, let's say retooling right now. And then before the All-Star break, they get the Sixers at home on Thursday. So, Jimmy, that will be a very interesting game with James Harden's hamstrings probably suddenly feeling better. Um and uh, and then the All Star break, and they come back next game after the All Star break is February 26th against the Nets. So, you know the um, the All Star break at least does them a little bit of service in terms of the Pat Connaughton, um, some some free ten days or so to for him to kind of rehab. But um, but yeah, Sixers for the All Star break. Then they play home against the Nets, and whatever the Nets are going to look like on February 26th, you presumably you know miss. Kevin Durant one more time, so hopefully you have a good chance there to rack up another win against the Nets. And then you get the Hornets at home, try to get a little revenge for that uh, home two-game sweep that the Bucks had against the Hornets. And then you host the Heat on March 2nd, which I believe is the last game between the ace-leading Heat and the Bucks this season. So, yeah, let's just say Blazers, Pacers, chance to chop a couple wins before you have that interesting matchup with the Sixers before the break. All right. Have a good weekend, Frank. Everyone else have a good weekend. We'll be back next week. I'm tired. Let's let's uh let's end this podcast right here for Frank and myself. Take it easy everyone. We'll catch you next week.